Michelle Sparks with you, illuminating anorexia, eating, self and body issues. Great to have your company. I have been offline for a while and I'm just so delighted to see so many of you still listening to the podcast. What I want to speak about today, I know that I'm in the flow of doing a bit of a series here about connections that heal, but what I want to do today is just take a moment out to explain why I do what I do. Because of late, I have been working with a couple of individuals and listening to a couple of conversations that have just made me want to take a moment to let you know why I do what I do. I do it because in my own journey through an eating disorder, I spent such a lot of time, I lost a lot of years, a lot of time, a lot of health, and a lot of opportunity spinning my wheels in the eating disorder landscape because I did not have the knowledge, the skills, or the support I needed to see and understand what my struggle was and how to get free. Now, if you've listened or logged into anything that, you know, maybe seen some of my photos and quotes up, you might know that I believe freedom is a journey because it is a state of the heart more than anything else. And we can always be growing in our sense of inner peace and security. But recovery from an eating disorder, and what do I mean by that? I, my definition for recovery is learning how to, and in fact applying, the ability to manage challenging life experience, painful self-challenging life experience, without resorting to disordered eating behaviours. Things like restricting, binging, purging, punishing, perfecting, over-exercising. That is what I mean by recovery. It's when you can manage the challenging life experiences, the painful self-experience, difficult emotions, emotional pain and conflict, when you can manage this territory of your world without resorting to restricting, binging, purging, punishing, over-exercising, um, this is what I would call recovery. So I have lived in that space for, I would say, the last 20 years. And freedom is a journey. I mean, in terms of my eating disorder... I, if I could show you, and if you go to a particular clip that I'll mention in a moment, you can see what my journey looked like. I went down the scales from my early adolescence, and when I started that journey, I was a regular, normal, healthy weight. I was just hitting puberty. I started to lay down a little bit of body fat, as you do with puberty, and um, but there was a bunch of other things that were going on in my world that made me feel a little unsure about growing up and um, I would I would call it a period of adolescent insecurity. I wasn't scared of boys, I wasn't scared of the world, I had a good family. There's a lot of things that I could go into and I do in other episodes and in my book but what I want to say here is I began the journey into restrictive eating, restrictive dieting in my early adolescence and I moved into anorexia. I was hospitalized with that at the age of 15. I came out of hospital. This is a long time ago, so it was a bit of a different experience than a lot of people have right now. Um, I didn't put on any weight in hospital. I didn't come out any with any more weight gain, but as I explained in the last episode, I did get some real benefit from going into hospital 
at that time, and I explained that in the last episode. Oh, I'm getting off track a little bit. But anyway, I do want to tell you a little bit more about my recovery in the next couple of episodes because I was starting late last month in a kind of series called Connections That Heal. And, you know, if I could really just um, crystallize what I believe about eating disorders, I believe eating disorders, disordered eating problems reflect our attempt to deal with challenging life and difficult self-experience. And when I talk about self-experience, I'm talking about our our experience of ourselves, inside ourselves, our sense of ourselves. So how we see and think and feel about ourselves, what we believe about ourselves, our worth, our value, our right to take up space, to have wants and needs, to express these. Um, these are some of the the, the territory that I'm talking about that I believe is underneath that movement towards controlling food and weight. I believe it can start very simply. I believe we can develop an eating disorder from a very simple place where we start to just want to feel better about ourselves, more acceptable, more secure, more in control of our lives in some way. Something's going on and we're wanting to feel more acceptable, more secure, more in control more safe. Maybe we want to feel like we belong more. We, we're looking for something. And our, as we start to control food and calories, um, that's the way into, that's the door in. But as we go down that path, and if we do not have other coping strategies or ways to deal with ongoing challenges in life as they come up, and we resort to further food and weight control, we can find ourselves getting very obsessed and going down the rabbit warren, if you like. And there definitely is, you know, there are temperaments that are going to be more prone to this. You know, if you have a a tendency, an anxious temperament, or, you know, you're more sensitive of personality, uh, you may find that you are more prone to going down the rabbit warren. But You know, there are things that we know and there are things that we don't know. And I was just listening to an interview today and someone was talking about orthorexia. And orthorexia is really when clean eating um, gets out of control and can in fact lead into the development of an eating disorder. Someone is not getting good nutrition, they're not well nourished, their thoughts become obsessed and they experience distress when they are not able to maintain healthy eating, clean eating, it starts to consume a lot of their life, their time and their health and their relationships um, suffer. Now, you could listen to that same sort of symptom in pretty much any eating disorder. It can start out quite as with a simple desire to do better, to feel more, more, you know, better about yourself. Um, good about your eating behaviors, good about yourself, more acceptable, more safe, more secure. We, We do know that as we start to control calories, kilograms, what we put into our body, as that takes on that runaway train effect, um, the controlling what we eat, the numbers, the calories, the kind of food we take in, it becomes about safety. And you know, what we start, that, that path we start out, that, that controlling path that we start out on, ends up 
taking us down to a place of out of control. We lose control. We end up feeling guilty and ashamed when we cannot maintain these perfectionistic standards that we create through the food weight control strategy. What I'm saying is as we buy into that and we, we the more we bow the knee and get locked into that cycle, the more it takes on a life of its own and we find ourselves no longer in control but being controlled and we start to lose our health and we start to lose our life and we start to lose our relationships and the joy goes out of our life and we're, we're obsessed and fearful and ashamed and guilty and stressed and what started as a good thing has now become a bad thing and that's when we're in the territory of disease and disorder. And, you know, I love a very simple definition that Gillian Ball wrote in a book many years ago, 1991, this book, When Eating is Everything. And she said something along this, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so it may not be completely precise, but I like it. She basically says that, you know, when you have a problem or when your eating is an issue, if you feel fearful, guilty, obsessed, driven, ashamed, out of control where food is concerned. You know, so we don't necessarily need a, disor a, a, a diagnosis. You are a person. If you're listening to me and this resonates with you, if you do feel fearful, if you do feel guilty, ashamed, obsessed or out of control where food is concerned, if you feel like food controls your life or your thoughts towards yourself, your body are full of negativity and self-criticism, self-loathing even, then if you are struggling in this domain, then... You're struggling in this domain, whether you have a diagnosable condition or not. And the reason, coming back to the, you know, why I started this particular episode, why I do what I do, is because I lost so many years of my life in this landscape, and I lost time, and I lost health, and I lost opportunity. And I'm, you know, I'm a health professional, I'm a physiotherapist and professional counselor, I'm a a long-term recovered survivor of this landscape and what I learned the hard way has fueled such a passion in me to help others not take that same journey or at least to short circuit the time they spend in the eating disorder, disordered eating landscape because of the health and the time and the opportunity cost involved. And you know, I've just been dealing with some individuals and both of the people I'm just thinking of right now have been, had, have, have had inpatient admissions to eating disorder specific clinics. And this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not having a go at these, these places, these clinics, thank God for them. They do so much good in helping people stop the descent down the scales and um, reclaim their life. But, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed at how, how much people still struggle in this space you know there is such a, a lack of help in many ways and so I suppose what I learned the hard way and like I came out of hospital I'm, I was talking about that in the last episode and I moved into a really difficult season which I'm going to come back to and speak to in a moment it's really hard to stay on track here I am sorry I hope you can you know come along with me for the ride and you know, I love your questions. They really do help me to help you. Um, yep. Yeah. So I'm going to come back and talk a little bit more about what happened to me when I came out of hospital. But 
that season, the season that I'm moving into now when I came out of hospital was such a challenging season for me that, oh my goodness, I was 16, 15 going on 16. And um, wow, the next number of years of my life would be some of the most difficult I had ever experienced. And um, they were the most difficult period of the eating disorder. I thought going down the scales into anorexia and when I was hospitalized with anorexia, I thought that was tough. And it was, absolutely. But the next season of my life was perhaps the most difficult season of my life. And I do want to unpack that a little bit. I certainly do unpack it a lot in the book. And, um, you know, you can probably find it on YouTube stuff and different stuff I've done. But I will unpack it here on the podcast because, again, why do I do what I do? Because I was listening to an interview this morning with a girl who's had a long history with eating disorders. I have done some work just in the last week with two other girls that have had long histories with eating disorders. I've just got to know these. These are new um, clients of mine. And, you know, the fact that they are still spinning their wheels in this space after years and years is the reason I do what I do because I know I had that journey and I know I know how despairing and hopeless a person can feel in this space after a long time and that's what I have heard in the two girls that I've just recently met in my own practice but also, as I listened to this interview and I, I heard this girl and her story, and no doubt she's walked through different aspects of help and hospitalization. But you know what? I'm not saying the solution's easy. I'm not saying the journey is easy. But I do think there is a way to see and understand how an eating disorder functions and to help people see where they are in their journey and to look at what they can do from that position to move forward and get free. Now, they will not do that. You will not do that in isolation. You will do that in uh, community. You will do that with the support of uh, various people, depending on where you're at, a therapist, a dietitian, the oversight of a doctor, family, friends. You will do that in you know, there is community connection is that's okay. So here's a link I just realized because where I was in the last podcast was talking about connections that heal and where I'm going right now is again connections, but not just connections, but sight. I think you really need to see how an eating disorder functions, where you are in your journey. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of your story, not at all. But it's a little bit like seeing how you got lost or how you got kind of off track. Like you started out in a good place, but now you're kind of off track. And you know it because you're not feeling great. You're feeling fearful and anxious and guilty and ashamed and stressed and out of control where food is concerned you're not where you started and you know it and you're not quite sure what to do so you need to see you need help to see what is going on for you and what your options are to get free and that's my heart because when I was in that space I could not see what I now see and I have found that unpacking that with others really helps them to move forward whether they move forward 
in a relationship with me or someone else is irrelevant. But that ability to see what's going on for them, why they're struggling in this space. You know, I don't think eating disorders are a mystery. I really think they are just a way that we learn to cope with challenging life and difficult self-experience. And I do believe they can start from a very innocent place, just wanting to feel more acceptable, more better about ourselves, like we're doing something good with our food if, if it's the orthorexia sort of path. Or that we're just being a, you know, we've been less of a, a burden at home if we're sort of on the anorectic path as a young person. That can be very common. That was my story. Um, so it can start very innocently. But if a little is good, then maybe more is better. And we kind of get lost on that pathway if we cannot see alternatives, if we do not have other ways to cope and manage ongoing challenges and difficult emotions and conflict. So anyway, I'm getting a little bit off track here, but I am passionate about what I do because I see people like the girl that was interviewed this morning, people like the two girls I've recently met in my own practice. I see lives I see people feeling hopeless and despairing. I see people, and I know that that can really go to a very serious place. You know, I know, we know, that uh, the mortality of this disorder is very high. Um, but it's not just the actual lives that are lost, which is 100% tragic. It is the life that is lost while people are living so I am passionate about this work. And on that note, can I just let you know, one of the girls that has been in my practice who I've come across this week, um, I have put out a, a opportunity um, for people to come on board this program that I've developed and I've run it in the I've run it face-to-face. -face. Many years ago, I used to run a program called Women Worth Their Weight. And I've kind of repackaged and updated it, and I've put it in the online space, and I'm about to road test it. And I called the 4x4 Freedom Express. And really, it is just, again, that whole idea about helping people to see and get a sense of where they are in their journey and what are the keys and the components that can help them to move forward. It won't be the whole story, but it is a really helpful framework that I'm about to road test both face-to-face -face in Sydney where I live and also online. And if you would like to be on board that road test, that pilot, I'm throwing in a bunch of free coaching support because I really want to road test it. I want to see how it works in the online space. And, um, you know, it's not the most... Um, professional looking video. It's a video program. It's not the most professional looking video um, material that you will see. But you know what? I think if people are starving, I just want to give them a good meal. If people are in crisis, I want to give them something that helps them get out of crisis. You know, I, I'm not going to fool around and waste more time with the packaging. So it could be more it could be better presented. It's just me shooting video out my back room, but uh, the content is what's important. And if you would like to jump on board and see a little bit more about that, or just even talk to me about that, if you are in Sydney, you could certainly come to, you could be part of the face-to-face uh, -face group. And if you are not in Sydney, but you're interested, 
you could uh, road test it in the online space. I'm only looking for a handful of people because it's a lot of my time and, um, you know, time is, life is precious and I've only got so much, as do you. So I can only take a handful in this particular offering. Um, but if you want to find out more about that, come to my website, michellesparks.com forward slash freedom. Again, michellesparks.com forward slash freedom. And I'm going to come back in the next episode and pick up a little bit more about what happened for me as I came out of hospital. And again, it just speaks to why I am so passionate about helping people get through this landscape as quickly as they can. So if you're interested, michellesparks.com forward slash freedom. And I'll be back in just a moment with some more episodes. Um, Again, talking about connections that heal. Okay, until next time, travel well.